Amen. Please have a seat. Welcome to South Lansing Christian Church again. My name is Walter. I'm the teaching and small groups minister here. And I'm so glad you're joining us. Those of you online, I'm glad that you're part of our family. Those of you in the room today, it's going to be a good day because we're wrapping up a sermon series. We've been five weeks reading through the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. And we've been talking about the mission that Jesus sends us on a mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so today is the final day of that series. Uh, Starting at the beginning of the year, we started a reading plan that has been kind of going along uh, with the sermon series. But we've bounced around a little bit in in the sermons each week. And so if you've felt like maybe you're out of step with the reading plan. If you keep up with your app, you're going to be good. The goal is just for us, God's people, to engage in Scripture together, one chapter a day, all the way through the Gospels. And so no matter where you are in that process, thanks for joining us. Keep on keeping on. It's okay if you're not right exactly with us, or if this week we are teaching it out of a different passage than you read. It's going to be okay. The goal, again, is just for us to process Scripture together. Now next week we start in the Gospel of John, and, uh, and we are going to, um, we're going to be starting a new series called Signposts. And Signposts is, is all about the signs that, that John wrote that point to Jesus as the Messiah. John composes his uh, account of Jesus' life with purpose, and at the end of it he says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by, by believing you may find life in his name. That's what our next series leading into Easter is all about. So if we don't scare you away today, come back next week and, and join us for that series. Now as we're wrapping up reading Mark and Luke, I hope that the, the reality of the, the mission that you've been sent on is, is starting to you know, become real for you. I hope that you realize that you are one of Jesus' disciples and that you are sent And that's why we as a church are calling this year the year of reaching out. You'll see the banner out there. Wally's talked about this. We are sent to our community. We're sent to our neighborhoods. And we're also sent to the people in our individual lives. And so for you, reaching out individually might just look like talking to the people that you know, that you spend time at work with or in class with. And then for us as a church, we're inviting our community here. We host a, uh, an Easter egg hunt, and we haven't had this since uh, the pandemic shut it down. We're excited to bring it back this year. We're welcoming the entire community here for an Easter egg hunt on the Saturday before Easter, and we're going to need some help with that event because it's a big deal, and it takes a lot of work. We'll be getting the church grounds ready for it. We'll be uh, working and setting up that day and, uh, and just trying to reach out as a church. So I hope you'll, you'll join us in that effort. There will be more information about that coming up soon. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 10 today, that's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10 is another one of these moments when Jesus sends his disciples out on what could be considered a training mission. And we preached about another one of these training missions a, a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus sending the 12 out. And today we're, we're talking about Jesus sending 72 disciples. And the big idea for today, and I, I know I normally save these till later so that you will remember something from the sermon, but you're going to get it early. The big idea for today is this. Disciples are sent to represent the king. Disciples are sent to represent the king And I hope today is encouraging to you. I hope that today helps you be bolder when you go out and you proclaim the gospel. 
Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about why it feels difficult to share the good news with those around us. You know, for some of you, not a struggle at all, and I respect you and admire you, but for the rest of us, including myself historically, there's, you know, some hesitation, and maybe it's because we don't want to rock the boat, or maybe it's because we don't want to make others feel awkward. Maybe we don't want to make ourselves feel awkward. I'm, I'm in that camp. You know, it's possible we don't want to cause a stress or, or a scene, but this is striking because in any other area of our life, when we receive good news, man, we're ready to share it. We want to tell people about it. And I was reminded of this fact when I was watching a sermon a few weeks ago uh, on YouTube, and, and the minister said this. He said, it's not weird to talk about what you love. It's not weird to talk about what you love. There are some things that I love. I love coffee. I love smart home tech. I love, I love uh, trees. You may have heard about that one. Uh, I love tractors. Uh, I guess I, I also love my family. They're on that list too. All right. Yeah, I, and I love Jamie. She's part of my family. Yes, I love all of those. All of those things come up in my conversations. And so it's not strange that if you ask me a question about coffee, which is something I enjoy and something that's also a hobby of mine, that I'll start talking about, you know, the right water temperature and the right grind size and the coffee grounds to water ratio and how you have to measure in grams so you get it right. And eventually, like all of your eyes are glazing over, the person that I'm talking to, their eyes will glaze over too, but it's not strange to them because I love coffee. I talk about what I love. Sometimes Wally will ask me, what'd you get into this weekend? And honestly, I think he's being polite, but you know, then I'll, I'll tell him if it was a particularly good weekend that the kids and I, my family, took the tractor, tractors, yes, uh, out to the woods and cut wood. It's the trifecta of three things that I love. It's amazing. And I'll start talking about it and it'll quickly become clear that Wally's not all that into my story of Simeon splitting wood and the girls driving the Cushman and us all loading it up. It's just, for some reason, he's not that into this stuff, but I'm into it and I talk about what I love and Wally doesn't think less of me, well, I don't think, for, for talking about what I love because people talk about what they love. If you, if you have a conversation with somebody who is really into fishing, you better brace yourself, right? It could be a long conversation if you ask them about fish, If you talk to somebody who's a crafter and you ask them, what have they been making recently? Man, you might get a discussion about materials and crafting stations and organization and all of this stuff. People talk about what they love. And yet even so, we love Jesus. Sometimes it's hard for us to talk about what we love. And I think that some of that hesitation comes from the fact that perhaps Sometimes, perhaps we've forgotten just whom we represent. That for some reason we think we're in this alone and that we've got to convince people all under our own ability with our own knowledge and our own efforts. And so today, today's text from Luke 10, I hope can encourage us and help us recognize that disciples are sent to represent the king. Luke 10 verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. 
Now, right off the bat, I want to pause here because as you've read the, the Gospels, you've probably noticed Jesus uses a lot of figurative language, metaphors, word pictures, and, and as, it, as much as it is possible to all be on the same page about what he's talking about, I think we should be. And here, Jesus uses the term harvest. The harvest is plentiful. What's Jesus talking about there? Well, I believe that Jesus is talking about people in our lives, people around the world who are ready to hear the gospel message and respond to it. They need to be brought into God's kingdom. The harvest is plentiful, and yet the workers are few. You know, as any farmer will tell you, when it's harvest time, it's go time. Right? Everything throughout the year has led up to this one season. You've got the, the preparation of the fields, working the ground, and you've got the planting and the fertilizing and the pest management and the spring and the working on of equipment, maybe purchasing other equipment. It all comes down to this one season when it's harvest time, it's go time, and many farmers, when the conditions are right, will keep their equipment going 24-7 to bring that harvest in. Jesus told his disciples here, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. I believe the harvest was plentiful for Jesus' disciples back then, but it's just as plentiful for you and for me and our lives today. And I, I believe this. God has been preparing the people in our lives, the people in your life. He's been working on their hearts, and he is preparing them to hear the gospel message. And I believe that as Christians around the world have prayed for the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his field that God has sent you. That God sent you to, in fulfillment of this prayer. Let's continue on. Verse 3. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. Now, we talked about this a month ago when we talked about Jesus sending out the twelve. That there's this common thread through that mission that continues on through this mission, a a thread of urgency. Because when Jesus sends out his disciples, he sends them on a mission that's got high stakes and eternal consequences. And so they're sent, and they're not supposed to be distracted by worldly possessions and anything around them. They're on mission. They're sent. Go. Don't bring a traveler's bag. Don't bring all this stuff. Go. Arrive in the city. Proclaim the message. And then if it's not accepted, move on to somewhere else. Verse 8. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, Go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you that even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. 
You know, that sense of urgency that the disciples were sent with, it permeates this mission. And, and if a particular town were not receptive to, to their message, well, then they were to shake the dust off their feet and head on to the next town. Because the disciples would have done their job. They would have fulfilled their mission of proclaiming the gospel, the good news. And they would head on to somewhere that hopefully was more receptive. And, and it's striking to me when you, when you read the sequence of instructions. Verse 9, in a, in a city that welcomes you, heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near. But verse 11, for a town that doesn't welcome them, the kingdom of God is still near. Do you see how the, recept, the response or, or receptivity to the message, it has, has no bearing on the message itself. It has no bearing on the mission. The mission is to go, to go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. That God wants peace with humankind. That was the responsibility of Jesus' representatives. And, and when I read that, I have to wonder if sometimes what holds us back from proclaiming the gospel, from sharing the good news just with people in our lives is, is that we're f- afraid of people's responses. We work ourselves up worrying about if they'll receive it, if they'll respond, if, if they're going to become part of God's family when our responsibility, again, is to go and proclaim the gospel. Instead of obsessing over, what if I share my faith and they, they don't, my friend doesn't, you know, respond, doesn't care. What if I share my faith and they don't immediately jump into the water for baptism? We should be asking ourselves, what is our mission? Our mission is to go and proclaim the gospel. Your responsibility is to your king. God's kingdom is breaking into the world. He offers us a way to be right with him, a way to live forever That's the message that we bear. And resistance to or rejection of that message, it wasn't going to stop the disciples from proclaiming it. They were going to carry on to another town. They were going to shake the dust off their feet and keep on keeping on. And resistance to or rejection of the message that that we bear shouldn't have any any sway over our, our proclaiming that message. The kingdom of God is near. And you... You represent the king. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Man, there's some serious judgment being offered here by Jesus against these towns. And while it's judgment, I also, I have to, I have to imagine that Jesus at this moment was experiencing some regret, some sadness. As he's, he's talking about towns full of people who were ethnically God's chosen people, who are not responding to Jesus' ministry and mission. And you see Jesus refer to places like this later on when he talks about Jerusalem itself. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks? And so you can see some regret and some, some sadness as Jesus offers judgment, proclaims judgment against these people. And then, verse 16, he says this. And this, 
I think is our key verse for today. Verse 16, he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. I want to read that one more time so it, it, it lands. Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. In other words, disciples are sent to represent the king. Disciples are sent to represent the king. When the residents of Ingham County want our voice to be heard in state government, we elect representatives. We send them off to to the government right here in Lansing. When we want our voice to be heard in, in federal government, we elect representatives, send them off to Washington, D.C. When another country wants their interests and their voice to be heard in our country, they, they appoint an ambassador and they send them off to D.C. and they further their interests there. And when Jesus wanted to spread the word that the kingdom of heaven was near, he sent out his 72 disciples. And when God wanted your coworkers the receptionist at your doctor's office, the other parents on your kid's traveling team, your classmates, when he wanted them to know the same message that the kingdom of heaven is near, he sent you. He sent you. And so no matter how you feel about it, you have been given a mission. As a follower of Jesus, you have certain privileges, right? A relationship with God, a life that's being renewed inwardly by the Spirit, a community of faith, God's people. You have all these privileges, but there's also some responsibilities. You don't get to just sit there. What does James tell us? Faith without deeds is dead. Right? You have been sent to your people, to the people in your circles. So if disciples represent the king... What does that mean for us? Disciples represent the king. I, th- I, think that means, I think that means we can go with boldness. And boldness because of, of two things. Boldness because we have been sent. It's our job. It's our mission. And boldness because of who sent us. The king sent us. You can be bold because it's your role. It's what you've been sent to do. You are a participant in God's kingdom. You're a disciple. You've been sent to a world that desperately needs to know him. It's harvest time. It's go time. And God has commissioned you and raised you up and equipped you. And his spirit is working in you and in the lives of those around you. And so now it's time to go. And perhaps you've been holding back because you don't know where to start. To that I say this. Why not just give it a try and jump in? Why not just give it a try and jump in? My preferred method of of education is on-the-job training and with apologies to former interns and volunteers who have just thrown in the mix. I'm thinking of poor Brendan and Jennifer and Eric and Braden and and all the rest. (laughs) I hope you guys still like me. Uh, With apologies to you, I still think that on-the-job training, learning by doing, is one of the most effective ways of of equipping yourself. If you don't know where to begin, try something, and then step back and evaluate it, and then try something again. 
And so if you don't know where to begin with sharing your faith with those in your life, I'd say try something. Just try something. Maybe invite a coworker out to coffee. Maybe that's too much. Maybe you've got a neighbor who's going through a hard time. Offer to pray with them. Try something and see what God does. And, and you might be amazed at what God's Spirit does through you. You can try something boldly because God has sent you. God has sent you. And you can try something boldly because, because of who has sent you. God himself. The king has sent you. Disciples are sent to represent their king, Jesus, who, as Scripture tells us, was elevated to the highest place, was given a name that is above every other name. And as Philippians tells us, Philippians 4, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's, that's who you represent. And so the king isn't going to hang you out to dry. There's no power, there's no authority that can stand up to Jesus and ultimately win. The creator of the entire universe is on your side. And so, when you decide you want to take a step and maybe try something, perhaps the first step is to pray. To pray, remind yourself that you represent the king, to pray and ask Jesus for an opportunity Ask him for wisdom and boldness and ask him for some words to say and then see what happens when his spirit works through you. I think you might be surprised again. As a representative of the king, God has given you his spirit and he's sending you out. Now there's so much more that we can talk about than just five sermons on being sent out into the world and We don't have time to cover it all here, and there are entire books written, and there are seminars that you can take. But I hope that you've, I hope that you felt either some inspiration or some conviction as God is like, get out there and go tell people about Jesus. And if that's you, I know some very well-equipped, very spirit-filled members of our congregation who are already out there. And they take Jesus at his word and they are filled with God's spirit and they're going and and they have stories regularly about the conversations that they're having with people in their lives. And I'd, I'd like to introduce you to some of them. And so if you want to take God seriously, sorry for my alarm. This alarm is so that I text one of our young adults to read his Bible every day. It's kind of awkward that it goes off during a sermon. Hey, uh, if you want to learn how to be a better, a better, uh, a more faithful follower of Jesus, somebody who is sent, then I'd like to introduce you to some of our people. I'd like to introduce you to Rod, Rod Beischer. He doesn't know, he's not even here today. He, he doesn't know that I'm, I'm sharing this with you, but Rod has a whole system. He wants to help train up people to boldly go and proclaim the gospel, and I would love to introduce you to Rod. I'd love for you and Rod to go sit down at Panera for a meeting loves Panera. Word to the wise, if you call the meeting and say, hey, Rod, can we go talk about this? Whoever whoever calls the meeting buys at Panera. That's Rod's rules. But if you can get Rod to invite you, then he'll pay for you. Not that I'm, you know, speaking from experience. But man, Rod is passionate and he's fired up and he's he's got a lot of thought that he's put into this and he's got a lot of experience and he would love to 
have a conversation with you and even coach you through how you can share your faith. I would so like to introduce you to him. I'd like to introduce you to some of our other members who are also out there doing this too because disciples are sent to represent the king. As we wrap up, I want to read I want to read a couple verses from 2 Timothy this morning. Paul writes these words to his protege Timothy and he's encouraging him to boldly go and proclaim the gospel when he writes this. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Today's the day in which I get to read verses to you twice because this one is so good. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Sisters and brothers, we have not been given a spirit of fear. But we can boldly go because we've been given a a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And we are sent to represent the king. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. So much for Jesus Christ and for his sacrifice. We thank you that your kingdom is indeed breaking into this world. God, I'm thankful that you invite us into your mission, that you allow us to be participants, that you allow us to go out and work in the harvest fields. Father, I pray this week that as we go, that we would go with boldness that your spirit would equip us and motivate us and move us and that we would have conversations with those in our lives, the people that we already know. And God, I pray for fruit. I pray that as we, we have these conversations, that we don't get discouraged when we're rejected, but that, God, we, we're looking forward to seeing you move and you grow and we know that you've prepared people's hearts to hear the gospel truth. And so God, I just pray, I pray for us. I pray that we can live out our mission and that we can represent you well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We get a chance now, like we do every week, to respond to what we've heard and what we've experienced here. And we do that in a few different ways. We respond in worship by singing. God how awesome he is, thanking him for what he's done for us. We respond in worship by giving back. We'll have a chance to be generous in a few moments. And we also respond in worship by by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. This ancient practice that reminds us of the final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room. And when he said those words, do this in remembrance of me, we remember that that the body of Jesus is represented by that bread and that the juice represents his blood that was spilled for you and for me 
so that we could be right with God, so that we could have life. And so as we worship, as we sing together, we invite you to come join your family at the table and celebrate and worship our risen Savior. Would you stand and worship?